Hi, I'm George. And I'm Alex. And we're the writers here on Uncommon Commons. In celebration of our 10th episode, we'll be hosting a giveaway on our Twitter account. In order to enter, just tweet about the show using the hashtag UncommonCommonsPodcast. We will select up to 10 winners to receive a special Uncommon Commons acrylic pin. For more information, please see our Twitter account at un underscore commons. Stay and remember, nothing is real. Uncommon Commons is a horror anthology podcast written by George Plank and Alex Vitale. Content warnings can be found in the episode description. Today's story is The Albertine, written by Alex Vitale. Good toast. Will all residents please make their way into the meeting room? Thank you. Jane, where did you get the xylophone? Please save all the questions until after the presentation, Mr. Doe. When did I tell you my last name? What did I just say? Now, are you tired? Do you find your day-to-day life is just so routine and mundane? Don't you feel like you need to get away? Well, have I got an opportunity of a lifetime for you. Introducing Uncommon Destinations, a timeshare hosted by Uncommon Commons. Everyone wants to get away, and what could be further away than a white void right outside your own front door? My goodness, just like Aspen! Exactly! Now we all know that the housing market is always a little uncertain. For example, you, sir. Who? Me? Yes. When was the last time you even saw a house? You know, I, I, I can't recall. I'm not sure I've ever seen a house in my short, short life. Wow, that's sad. Well, there you go. But right here, right now, you know that these spaces are available now and can be all yours and someone else's for eight months out of the year. Sorry, what was that? Nothing. Now, these spots are very limited and going fast, so if you want to reserve yours now, we are going to need a down payment of 20000 20000 what? Money, preferably. Oh, uh, well, um, actually, I, uh... Don't answer yet. Just mull it over for a bit. While you think about it, I'll read the story I've got. Okay, but while you do that, I'm just gonna... The doors are locked. You're not going anywhere. Ruby had a massive headache. Her makeup streaked down her face, and her eyes were still red, damp, and puffy. She sat slumped in the driver's seat of her Prius, challenging her reflection in the tiny mirror on the sunblind. Frankly, she looked pathetic. She felt pathetic. Just look at her. No wonder Marie had cheated. Dejectedly, Ruby sniffed and tried to wipe the mascara smudges off of her cheek. You've been just sitting here for like twenty minutes, girl, she berated herself. Pull yourself together and go inside. Not six hours before, Ruby had been in the apartment she'd shared with her girlfriend of three years. She'd thought that they'd tie the knot shortly after moving in together, but one accidental glimpse of a lewd message to a stranger changed that plan for good. With Marie's late nights and secretive outings, it wasn't hard to piece two and two together. Nasty words had been exchanged and lamps thrown, and before long Ruby was out the door with a haphazardly packed suitcase and absolutely no plan whatsoever. At first, she'd thought about going to her mother for refuge, though that plan was quickly scrapped. Her mom had been adamantly against Ruby moving in with Marie, 
and hadn't liked Marie to begin with. I'm sorry, honey, I know it hurts, she would say as she stroked Ruby's hair, but really, how could you not see it coming? Besides, with her father's health the way it was, she didn't really want to put any extra burden on her parents. Instead, she'd stopped off at a run-down little burger joint about twenty miles from her own town and scoured the web for some place to go. Ruby wanted a distraction, some place she could get her work done during the day and explore at night, some place where she could entirely forget Marie and her clandestine messages. After a quick search online, she'd found her spot. The historic Albertine Hotel boasted itself as the most haunted hotel on the East Coast. It had been built in 1903, the sepia-toned website informed Ruby, and had, despite a constant string of tragedies, stood the test of time. Somehow, though her vision was still blurry with tears, Ruby had managed to book a stay. Why not? She always had a fascination with the occult. Currently, she sat in the parking lot of the hotel, willing herself to get out of the car. Fixing her ruined makeup as best she could, Ruby got out of the front seat and grabbed her suitcase, heading under the porte cochere. The foyer of the hotel was quite impressive. It screamed of antiquity, with dark woods and jewel tones everywhere one turned their gaze. A marble bust of who Ruby took to be the founder stood proudly on the table in the center of the hall, framed by a tasteful flower display. The whole place was quite charming, and Ruby was surprised to have paid such a good price for her room. In the back of her mind, she hoped that there wasn't a bedbug problem that caused said price. Lugging her suitcase with her, she made her way past the bust to the front desk. It was well into the afternoon now, just before four o'clock, but the concierge solemnly informed Ruby that her room was not quite ready yet. The woman apologized for the inconvenience and invited her to sit in the lounge until the room was ready. They had complimentary coffee and tea, Ruby was told. She could help herself. Doing just that, Ruby got a little paper cup filled with a concoction that was equal parts cream and sugar with very little coffee added to the mix and sat down in one of the armchairs provided. It was definitely designed more for aesthetics than comfort, but she settled down all the same. In her rush to leave the apartment that morning, Ruby hadn't bothered to pack her luggage well, which resulted in a distinct lack of reading material. With her phone dwindling at 10%, she picked up a travel magazine from the coffee table in front of her and lazily flipped through it. Maybe she could just hotel hop for the rest of her life and never have to settle down again. The thought of apartment shopping alone filled her with dread. As she thumbed distractedly through the boring articles on the latest in coastal living interior design, a gentle and polite cough roused Ruby from her minimal focus. She glanced up to find an old man seated on the sofa across from her. He wore a dapper suit with a bow tie and a pleasant expression, and had a newspaper spread across his lap. It must have not been holding his attention, as he seemed to be trying to attract Ruby's. She hadn't even heard him sit down. "'Good afternoon, miss.' said the man in a friendly southern drawl. In fact, it is such a nice afternoon that I can't begin to imagine what could have gone so wrong to make you look that sad. Pretty girl like you deserves to have a smile on her face. Ruby took a minute to respond, not exactly sure what to say. It wasn't all that unusual that random men told her to smile. The way this old man talked to her, though, it seemed more like genuine concern. He kept his easy smile trained on her, but there was something in his eyes that spoke of kindness. She was reminded of her father. I've had a rough day, she explained lamely. It's kind of a long story. Well, my condolences, young lady, the man said as he set his paper down on the coffee table. You've come to the right place to take your mind off things, though. This old hotel has a way of wiping away all your woes. Ruby copied him in setting down her magazine, grateful for a different distraction. You've been here before? The old man laughed. Why, I practically never left. You'll find that most folks you see around here are regulars. Uh, Ira Baker, by the way. Uh, Ruby Maltzman. Nice to meet you, Mr. Baker. Sorry you have to see me so... messy. 
She laughed weakly and hoped her makeup didn't look too terrible. Not at all, Miss Maltzman. I'm assuming that little bit of that reading ain't holding your attention. He gestured to her discarded magazine. It's kind of difficult to focus on interior design when you have no interior to design. Well then, why don't I try my hand at entertaining you? Ira leaned forward and propped his elbows on his knees. He pointed sneakily across the hall at a lady standing by an overflowing luggage cart. When he spoke again, it was in a hushed tone. You see that lady over there? The one with the gaudy fur stole? Ruby followed his finger to where it pointed at the woman. She was partially hidden behind the luggage cart, either waiting for the elevator or waiting for a bellhop to come and assist her. She tapped her foot impatiently. Ruby noted that the woman's shoes had red soles. That's Mrs. Schroeder. She comes here to stay every year from the end of August to just after Christmas, and has done so for the past twenty-some-odd years, Ira explained. She used to come with a husband, but not one person has seen him in a decade. Some people round here say that she killed him for the life insurance policy. Well, did she? Ruby asked, her interest peak. No, it was for the will, I believe. Ira's eyes twinkled with mischief as he spoke. Word has it that those are real diamonds draped around a neck. Ruby turned again to look at Mrs. Schroeder, craning her neck around as sneakily as she could. The elevator had apparently arrived as the aging woman was stepping past its old iron gates. She took a moment to adjust her sparkling collar, and, just for a moment, Ruby could have sworn she saw a long, jagged scar underneath of it. She opened her mouth to ask Ira about it, but before she could get the first word out, he was already moving on. This time, he was gesturing towards the dining room, which had seemingly just opened for happy hour. Though she could definitely have gone for a stiff drink, Ira didn't seem to be suggesting they go visit the bar. His eyes, instead, were trained on a young woman who was having a chat with the balding bartender. She looked to be around Ruby's age, though she was much more smartly dressed. As opposed to Ruby, her hair was actually neat. Suddenly, access to the suite and its shower seemed like much more a pressing matter than it had been. If Ira noticed Ruby's discomfort, though, he made no note of it. He simply continued his commentary on the hotel guests. "'That's Evelyn White. She first started coming here around four or five years ago.' As he spoke, Evelyn reached to pick up some mixed drink she'd ordered. First time she was here was on her wedding night, or what was supposed to be her wedding night. Her no-count fiancé stood her up at the last moment to run off with his high school sweetheart. Ever since, Miss White has been coming here on the anniversary of that night each year. Folks say it's some kind of funny coping mechanism. I say she's having annual flings with Tony. Uh, he's the bartender, you see. Ruby could see what he meant. Throughout Ira's entire story, Evelyn and Tony had been chatting up a storm. There was a lot more touching involved than with any bartender Ruby had ever met. Tony must have said something very funny at that point, because Evelyn threw back her head and laughed loudly. Her neck bent at an oddly abrupt angle as she did so. And that young man there, you see him? His hand was now stretched in the direction of a bellhop. That's Danny. He is a resident kleptomaniac. When Ruby clutched her purse a little closer to her side, Ira laughed. Don't worry, it's not your money he's after. Then what does he take? Jewelry? Ruby thought of the Swarovski studs she had in, a gift from Marie for their second anniversary. Right now, she didn't really think she'd mind if Danny stole those. Nothing of the sort. You see, Ira gestured for Ruby to come closer, and only when she leaned in did he continue. Danny steals his payback. Any time a guest leaves a room particularly dirty, or is notably rude, he takes something small. Something they wouldn't realize is missing until long after their trip was over. Rumor has it that they found his stash in an old broken dumbwaiter on the second floor. Polaroids, single socks, keychains, a bunch of old odds and ends that no one would ever assume to be stolen. When the manager found out, boy was he furious. 
Ruby glanced back at Danny, who was busy pushing an unwieldy luggage cart into the coat room. After a moment, the back wheels finally thunked over the threshold, and Danny disappeared inside. Ruby's attention was turned back to Ira. If they know he's a thief, how come he hasn't been fired? They weren't the things people typically noticed going missing, and they certainly weren't worth calling the hotel to have them shipped home. By the time anyone figured out what he was up to, it was too late to do anything about it, Ira said, looking over at the coat room door. Besides, the kid's been here so long, it wouldn't feel the same without him. Funny, Ruby thought as she squinted at the tarnished sign on the coat room door. He didn't look much older than twenty. Just then, Danny reemerged from the door sans luggage cart. Maybe it was just a trick of the late afternoon sun, or maybe it was that Ruby was watching him in her periphery, but it seemed like the door didn't open with Danny. It looked like he had walked straight through the wood. Just then, a timid hand tapped on Ruby's shoulder. She turned to see the concierge from before, still looking as apologetic as ever. "'I'm sorry to interrupt, but your room is ready, Miss Maltzman,' she said, handing her the brass room key. "'We're sorry for the delay. Mark will be showing you to your room. He's waiting right over there with your luggage.' Mark was indeed waiting by the elevator with a luggage cart carrying this singular suitcase Ruby had brought with her. She thanked the concierge, and as she gathered up her purse, addressed Ira. "'Thank you for the distraction. It was much needed. I hope you enjoy the rest of your trip.' "'Thank you for indulging the ramblings of an old man,' Ira smiled. "'I'm sure we'll be seeing a lot more of each other, Miss Maltzman.' Ruby, unsure of what else to do besides murmur a polite agreement and excuse herself, headed towards her escort. Mark held the elevator door open for her and followed suit. The fourth-floor button was promptly pressed, and as it began to ascend, Ruby could feel the day's events catching up to her. She'd be grateful for a hot shower and a nice dinner of comfort food. The elevator dinged, and Mark led Ruby down the hall to her suite, number 425. Politely, he stepped aside to allow Ruby to unlock the door. It took some fumbling, but before long it creaked open, and Ruby stepped into the room. "'Oh, it's gorgeous!' she said over her shoulder, marveling at the antique detailing of the furniture. "'Are all the rooms like this? Oh, look, I have a nice view of the courtyard!' Before Ruby could finish her sentence, Mark had pulled out a revolver and shot her point-blank in the back of the head. Ruby awoke the next morning, feeling like her head was stuffed full of cotton. She lay face-first in the downy pillows of her bed, on top of the covers. She was still clad in the same clothes she'd put on yesterday morning. Hazily, she recalled the sound of a gunshot. She jolted up in bed and patted herself down, quickly stumbling towards the bathroom to take a look in the mirror. Aside from bed head and swollen eyes, nothing seemed to be out of the ordinary. A quick search around the room yielded the same results. There wasn't a drop of blood in the entire suite. The only thing of note was a patch on the rug that seemed slightly cleaner than the area around it. <sighs> Leave it to my subconscious to come up with horrible murder nightmares the day after a breakup, Ruby thought to herself. After finger-combing her hair and doing her best to clean up, Ruby wandered downstairs. She was positively famished, having missed dinner the night before. The clock in the bedroom had informed her that it was just after seven in the morning. She sincerely hoped that the dining room was open and serving by now. Clambering into an elevator with two other clearly sleep-rattled guests, Ruby made her way downstairs. The other people must have been even more out of it than she was, as neither of them so much as acknowledged her. As the iron gates of the elevator creaked open on the ground floor, Ruby was pleasantly surprised to find that Ira was sitting in the same seat he'd been in yesterday. Before she had even to call out to him, Ira was alert and waving her over. Glad to see a friendly face, Ruby eagerly reclaimed her place in the uncomfortable armchair. "'I'm glad to see you looking so refreshed,' he remarked as she took her seat. "'I told you that this old place would agree with you.' She stifled a yawn and smiled drowsily at him. "'I don't think I've ever slept that hard in my life.' Ira chuckled his pleasant little laugh. 
Yeah, new folks tend to do that on their first night. Welcome to the family, Miss Maltzman. For the first time since they'd met, he extended his hand out for Ruby to shake. Confused, she took it and laughed nervously. <laughs> the family? What do you mean? My dear, Ira's grin broadened, the kind spark not quite so evident in his eyes anymore. How do you think we keep the title of Most Haunted Hotel on the East Coast? And there you have it. Doesn't that make you just want to get away? From you? Yeah. <laughs> You're a card, Mr. Doe. Now, if you please sign here and here, two initials right there and there, social security number right here, initial here, and signature and date at the bottom. What is the date? Well, that's all the time we've got. Thank you for stopping in, and we do hope you consider Uncommon Destinations as your new home away from home. Lady and gentlemen, a gentle reminder that impersonating Uncommon Common staff is a violation of your lease agreement. And it is much, much worse out there than it is in here. Thank you, and have a wonderful rest of your day. The common area is now closed. Well, you heard her no time. She was going to go. Bye. Uncommon Commons is a podcast. It is written and recorded by Alex Vitale and George Plank. Our theme song was written by Charles Adam Robinson. And our logo was designed by Sam Vitale Kaufman. Special thanks to our EA, Rebecca Tewksbury. You can find us on Twitter at un underscore commons and on Instagram at uncommon underscore commons. Or email us directly at zeronullstreet at gmail.com. Stay. And remember, nothing is real. <laughs>